which Rangers may be on their way out. Rob then joins us later to discuss what he found in his analysis of the Rangers' recent play and what solutions might be found on the current roster. And then we'll get to our favorite part of the show each week, your questions, and I believe we have a lot of those on tap. So very excited about that. Dave and Becky, how are we doing this week? We're doing great. I'm going away soon. That's very exciting times for me. So I'm happy as a clam, even with a sick child. Oh, sick children are sick child, sick childs, sick children are. <laughs> yeah, well, they're brutal. Uh, it, I, like, it's brutal. Godspeed. Emmy's been fine. She just has a fever, and I'm like, go away, fever, so you can go back to daycare because she's just like happy as can be. I'm like, girlfriend, come on. Godspeed to uh, the two of you. Anyway. Dave, how's everything in uh, in your basement now? I want to give everybody a quick update on that. <laughs> I can't believe how my basement is now like pod content. Um, <laughs> so the insurance guy came in today and he said, oh, yeah, I'll write up an estimate. Uh, the insurance policy covers not just the laundry room, but the entire basement since we had carpet throughout, which is a nice win for us. And it also covered the plumber, which we thought it didn't initially. So that's a that's a win-win. And then the third was instead of us having to you know collect receipts and then send it in and then get paid, it's they're just gonna cut us a check and we pay from that, and then that's ninety percent of it. And then we get another ten percent when we show of their estimate. I should say when they. Uh, finish the work so i'm like now i get to run everything instead of having to go through and send in a receipt so that was like a triple win for me today and i'm gonna take that wow yeah i know seems like a rare win when the insurance company gets involved too i don't mm-hmm. have any personal experience but that's just my uh understanding so yeah the insurance company i have was just telling me yeah the guy that comes over is your friend through all of this you know, we don't like working with the insurance companies either, so we try to get as much as we can for you. <laughs> it's like, okay, sweet. <laughs> we love so that. That's, <laughs> that's pretty good. All right, well, you, glad to hear that uh, that's all getting settled, Dave. Um, and, you know, I, we've heard from some listeners that they, they do prefer sometimes when you're in a bit of a, of a more ornery mood as you were a couple of weeks ago, although, um, you know, perhaps some discussion points tonight will will bring that out of you. So let's get to... The first part of the show, which is just to discuss trade trade rumors and particularly um, targets for the blue line. You know, we focused a lot on rightfully so with the Rangers, the offensive dif- difficulties they've had, you know, the lack of uh, Lafreniere and Kako stepping into top six roles, which was expected of them. The Kravtsov drama. Right. So a lot of the focus has been on the forwards, but we're going to sort of zero in on some defense targets. Uh, but first, I wanted to uh, just share and get your guys thoughts on. Our old friend Larry Brooks's report that came out today, uh, or I should say Tuesday, this was on Post Plus. I'll be fully uh, transparent here. I am not a subscriber. I don't I'm think any. I, I don't any think they have many subscribers. 
<laughs> I, I'm not no, giving money to the New York Post. It's just not happening. <laughs> no, they like leak and... it to people to leak out to like they like pay people essentially to like get their shit leaked. I'm sure. Although right. maybe in our mentions, we'll have someone who is a subscriber. I don't know. Let us know. Well, and you know what? Thank you to those of you who are subscribers and do screenshot some of the more interesting tidbits. And that's where I pulled this from. Uh, that I was uh, remember, Mike Silver's, right? Twitter, so. Mike Silver's kind of pulled that. Oh, 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 I think he did. So yep. thank you to Mike. I know he listens to the show. Um, so here, here it is. Uh, he, uh, Larry Brooks, in his Post Plus article, uh, reported that Niels Lundqvist will likely be used as a lead trade chip and that the Rangers will be looking to try and move him. This is a direct quote, sooner rather than later. He also noted that Vitaly Kravtsov is on the block, no surprise there, but that his value around the league has taken a hit considering his multiple confrontations with Rangers management, obviously refusing to report to Hartford. All that stuff, you know, depreciates the value of what otherwise was considered a premium uh, Ranger prospect. So I wanted to get your take first, Dave. You know, what do we make of these reports now? We can talk about this and maybe, you know, I don't want to color anyone's thoughts, actually. So just give me your top line thoughts first, Dave. So, I mean, he's not exactly breaking news here. I mean, we know that I've been calling him Nils Lundqvist. Apparently it's Nils. So we know that Lundqvist is the odd man out. We've known for a while since basically JD's fist pump when they drafted Braden Schneider, that they were going to prefer Schneider over Lundqvist. So that is what it is. The Rangers are going to lose a great prospect and who's going to be a solid defenseman in the NHL, but they are going to have a solid defenseman and a great prospect in the NHL in Braden Schneider. So we knew this was going to happen. That's not exactly breaking news. And the Kravtsov thing regarding just his value, that's what I had heard as well from the one person who actually works for a team that talks to me. So he said that Kravtsov's value is less of a top 10 pick and more of a Matthew Robertson, a B-level prospect. So take that as mm-hmm. it will. Um, these are guys that the Rangers aren't going to trade for a rental. So I don't even think they're on the block for JT Miller. So if we're seeing these guys traded and packaged together, we're getting... A tops a bona fide top six center with term, and that's not JT Miller. So I'm just putting that out there. Interesting, Becky. What were your, well, yeah, what were your thoughts in terms of uh, the the part that caught my eye at least was the sooner rather than later part. Um, but I, yeah, what were your um, kind of initial reactions to to this report? Um, I mean, I don't. Sooner rather than later, it just speaks to me that, like, there's a deadline, although the deadline's in, like, freaking eight months because of the Olympic break that we were supposed to have and all that, whatever. Anyway, um, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's, like, always kind of sad when you see someone, I was there on opening, or at the home openers, so I got to see him play up close and personal, and, and it was... It was just fun to see him, and but I don't... I'm not going to cry over it, and, like, the fact is that if you're... A good team and good at developing your prospects, which I don't necessarily think the Rangers are. It's a good problem to have to have too much talent. You're (laughs) making me ornery. You're making me ornery by saying that because the (laughs) Rangers fucking suck at it. But that's what I mean. Like it's if they could, I think, and I know like ins and know anything other than my two eyes here. I just it does often feel like the Rangers trade their talent 
for less than they should get. And this is the Gorton era, and I have minimal faith in Chris Drury. But, like, I just like to see them. I always wonder, like, why they don't showcase these people more if they do want to trade them. It's always my question, and I always feel like an idiot asking the question because I'm like, there has to be some, like, really obvious reason, right? But there never really is. Like, why are we playing fucking Libor Hayek. <laughs> I just like, I don't understand it. Like, what are we doing here? And I, I feel like we've done this. Like, I mean, Kravtsov, like we're looking at now, what are they going to trade him for? It's well known that he has a bad relationship with Drury. It's well known that he, I mean, I guess anything's possible, but the likelihood of him playing for the Rangers is minimal. So why would anyone give a lot for him? So you're just, making me ornery just by Miss Hayek, and you know I'm surprised you didn't say McKeg. I, I, you're like poking the bear, Becky. I'm waiting for Luker to come on to talk about McKeg. Okay, fair, fair. But like, I, I just want to go back to who they're going to be traded for. You know, I floated on Twitter something like Mark Shifley, who uh, when I mentioned it to the Blue Sea Blogs crew, everybody kind of was divided on it. But that's the kind of trade somebody with term. For a team that is running low on cap space, the Jets have to re-sign Pierre-Luc Dubois and a bunch of other guys. They don't have the cap space to probably keep Shifley. And getting two solid, cheap pieces on entry-level contracts probably works for the Jets. I'm also looking at the Kings, who have 55 centers and nothing else. There's something there where they could get a scoring winger and a potential top-four defenseman. For you're not getting Byfield um, as somebody like an Alex Turcotte or a Gabe VR, Villardi, Villardi, I don't know how to pronounce that one. Villardi. Villardi. <laughs> yeah. um, That's not a double L. Yeah, it's just Villardi, I think. <laughs> thank you. Uh, uh, again, I'm bad at this, so thank you. So something like that I was thinking of, you know, there's. Ve- Lundqvist has a lot of value, and Kravtsov is at the very least a great sweetener. I don't see yeah. them moving them them for a guy like JT Miller or Joe Pavelski or anything like that. You have just, a lot of feelings about JT Miller not being part. Like, why? What's, he's going to get more than what the Rangers should pay. Well, the Rangers should pay, but that doesn't mean that the Rangers won't pay. This is where I would have trusted Gordon, but Chris Drury has absolutely no faith for me right now. So, I mean, at, at this rate, we're going to get Lundqvist and Kravtsov and, like, a, a first-round pick for JT Miller, and we're all going to lose our minds. That would be an overpay. And I, and I think Miller's not, not the worst idea in the world, given his versatility, scoring ability. Um, no, you, I do think that he, he fits. Sorry. I, I'm just like, it, it has nothing to do with Miller the player. Just the cost to get him. I don't want to pay the cost. Right. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think, you know, one of the things that I think we probably will touch on with Rob a little bit later if we do get into more trade stuff is the rental market in the NHL usually is pretty light. You know, I mean, Taylor Hall, second-round pick, that's the one that sticks out in my mind. Um, You know, the Rangers are probably going to be able to get, you know, that Pavelski, Stastny, I keep saying Ricard Raquel every every week, sorry. But that type of player is, is going to be easily had for like a mid-round pick and, and maybe a B-level prospect if the guy's having a good year that you're trading for, a la Pavelski, who ha- is having an awesome year. Um, and then probably does drive the price up. Because remember, you know, we all know Taylor Hall 
former MVP, was a great player, but he did not have very good stats before that trade to Boston. So, um, and that does impact the price. Look, I think the only thing I'll say is the sooner rather than later piece did catch my eye because a lot of what we've read recently and heard is that the Rangers are going to bide their time. They have a good record. You know, they've banked enough points. They got plenty of runway. And, and, and you know, uh, why uh, hit the market early when you can wait till prices potentially drop a little bit, right? You know, you can sort of see where, where the market falls uh, and then negotiate harder when teams are getting more desperate to get rid of guys closer to the deadline. And it also enables the league to evolve a little bit more. You know, in three, four weeks, a team that thinks they're in the playoff hunt now may fall out of the playoff hunt. So the fact that they might try to move Lundqvist sooner rather than later just made my ears perk up in the sense that that makes it seem like there's a potentially a deal being worked on already. But obviously, you know, Brooks does not go beyond that little forward phrase here. So lots of speculation. And, you know, the last thing I'll say is the caveat with Brooks is, you know, to me, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, he's like a 50-50 proposition at this point. You know, sometimes he's kind of right on with the rumors he, he, he hears and publishes. Sometimes he throws stuff out of left field and it's completely wrong. So um, he's been openly campaigning for Josh Anderson to come to the Rangers for five years now. So um, we don't know how valid this is, but, you know, obviously bears watching. And um, one of the right, things just sh- on that oh, go ahead. is, you know, we've been saying the Rangers are going to wait. It's also assuming they don't want to waive Libor Hayek or make any other moves like that. There's a 23-man roster limit, and it doesn't break until the trade deadline. Mm. They have so they can basically trade for an entire NHL team roster at this point. They have that much cap space, but they don't have the roster space unless they waive people or trade off the roster. That's the other thing. Yeah, good point. Good point to remember there for sure. All right, so. Let's zero in for a couple of minutes on some defense targets. Dave, you did a poll a couple of days ago on Twitter. I'm not going to even um, give the fourth name any credence, <laughs> although I, I'd be interested if you if you know off the top of my head how much percent of the vote they got. But you basically said, of these four people, which would Ranger fans want most? It was Mark Giordano, Calvin DeHaan, Ben Sherratt, and Rasmus Ristolainen. Uh, Ristolainen <laughs> is bad with a capital B. I think both... Uh, He's one of those rare non-polarizing players where fancy stat people and fancy stat haters agree he's he's garbage. How many percent? How much percent of the vote did he get though? Because I know people did pick Ristolainen, although maybe they were trolling. Eight percent out of five hundred thirty-seven, so fifty people. Okay, they couldn't all be trolling. So we've got at least some people out there that follow you on Twitter, Dave, that believe that Rasmus Ristolainen is the guy for a team potentially gearing up for a cup run to add to their blue line. Do you understand now That's why right. I turned off mentions for people that I don't follow? Like just no, looking at that poll, like clear. those 50 people <laughs> are the loudest in my mentions and I just couldn't deal with it anymore. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, you this is the life you've chosen to lead, Dave, as it's one true. of the <laughs> Ranger bloggers. It's true. No, so. like like with great celebrity comes great responsibility, celebrity. Dave. I'm so sorry. First off, including stupidity in your mentions. Mm-hmm. I, I am not putting internet celebrity um, in my Twitter profile, Becky. That is not happening. I might. <laughs> <laughs> JK. Uh, so, 
Becky, for you, out of those three names, let's put Ristolainen to the side, because unless you really want to make a case for him, which of the three do you think uh, fits the bill the most for the Rangers? Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Full stop, I don't know. I like whatever about Giordano. He's old as shit. And I know that he's still effective, but he's old as shit. So I just, whatever. Um, also, I'm really upset that he left the Flames because I knew that he was the Flames captain. I knew like every captain and then he left and I didn't know anymore. So just whatever. And I know he didn't leave willingly. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, Dahan and Sherat. I guess Dahan. I like better than Sherat. I just, I don't know. Sherat's on a bad team. So maybe he's better than I think he is. Like, maybe it's the Taylor Hall thing. Or he's just like, oh, I'm on a shitty team. Or, like, I don't know. What's his face in the All-Star game was actually playing really well. And it's because he's not on a bad team. I don't know. All this to say, I guess, Dahan. The th- yeah, Sharap, by the way, you bring up a great point there, Becky. The Canadians are not only bad. They are potentially historically bad. Mm-hmm. Their record right now... I, and I, I saw some tweets about this, and I, I apologize again because I'm just sort of like throwing out random unsourced tweets here. And, you know, I guess folks really uh, have no reason to believe me potentially if I'm just making this shit up. But I think I saw something a couple of days ago that, you know, they have one of the worst records ever, like lockout, not lockout, you know, just through. I think we're through, you know, they, they've played whatever it is, 45 games or so. I think they only have eight wins total. I think they're like, they're, I think they, you know, when you add overtime losses to the regulation losses, they have something like 35 losses. So you were talking about in a league that is known for parity and a sport where, you know, the worst team in the league usually wins something like 31, 32, 33 games. They are gunning for historic levels of utility. Then this team was in the Stanley Cup finals last year. It was mm-hmm. absolutely remarkable. And so I think that's a good point about Sherratt, Becky, that, he probably looks a lot better on a on an even average NHL team, let alone a, yeah. a good one like the Rangers. So um, he he is definitely an interesting name. He's also going to be the most highly pursued defenseman at the deadline. So, Dave, I'll kick it over to you. Who do you like out of that group? What, what would what would be your preference of the three? So, just the Canadians are eight twenty nine and seven with a negative 73 goal and they're differential. they're losing to the Devils currently. Yes. A and negative 73 goal differential. Yes. And by comparison, the Arizona Coyotes are 11-30-4 with a negative 70 goal differential. They are worse than the Arizona Coyotes who are actively tanking, whereas the Canadians actually wanted to win this year. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. They are awful. And it's pretty incredible. Uh, at least they're not they playing were. in front yeah, of I mean, fans. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither are the Coyotes. Sparing the Quebecois currently. <laughs> so, I am going to present an argument for Giordano because, Rob, I have a feeling your answer is Dahan. So. Yeah, go ahead. I can present an argument for Giordano, for, uh, you know, f- former future Ranger Mark Giordano. <laughs> In that he is the veteran presence that has gone through the playoffs. He is the guy that has been a captain, can be a leader in the locker room. The cap hit doesn't matter. He's a lefty. He can play on the power play if need be. 
And while his metrics look like shit, he's playing on one of the worst teams in the league in Seattle, who is bottom five in basically every possession metric there is. So you figure, in theory, that Giordano, when put on a good team paired with Braden Schneider, can bring that veteran presence to Schneider, up his game a little bit, gets, get a couple of goals on the power play. And just for reference, the Seattle Kraken are 15-27-4 and four with a negative 38 goal differential. So they're twice as good as the Canadians. And I want to fight you on this, though, if I may. <laughs> uh, go for it. I, I, I love fighting you. So I don't dis- like. I don't think anything you've said is wrong. It's just that we have playoff experience. Like Chris Kreider has been a rookie for 15 years, and <laughs> I don't. I don't think that like playoff experience is what's lacking on the Rangers, to be honest. And it doesn't seem like leadership is lacking either, although. It would be nice for them to name a fucking captain. What are they going to do? Bring Giordano on and be like, here, you're the seventh alternate? Like, I, I will have a stroke. I mean, I, I don't I disagree with you, Becky. My answer is Dahan. I'm just putting an answer out there for Giordano. And mm-hmm. you know Chris Drury. And you know Glenn Sather. They're going to get... Giordano fits everything they want. He's that name brand. He's been there before. I mean, come on. This is the most Chris Drury acquisition we can get right now. All right. Well, now I hate you. So that was my goal. That was my goal. I win. (laughs) I'll be quick because we want to bring on uh, Rob Luker as we continue to turn up the temperature here. But, you know, look, the thing about the Han is it would be low cost to acquire. He probably gives you. Uh, and I, I don't have the you know the the metrics or any of the stats in front of me, but I think he gives you even better defense than Giordano would provide. You're not going to get any scoring punch whatsoever. I think the guy's highest point total in a season was maybe 20 uh, when he was with the Islanders a few years ago. But um, he just seems like the perfect under the radar or under the radar six defenseman. I think the thing with Giordano is there will be a temptation if you bring him in because you're going to pay more for him and he's a name to play him more. And then, you know, you get into, all right, is he playing on the second pair with Truba instead of Keandre Miller? You know, and I just think that you, even if the Rangers wouldn't do that, you wouldn't want to bring in Mark Giordano and be like, all right, you're only playing third pair and probably penalty kill. Cause I, Dave, I don't even think he gets on the second power play when they're all healthy. That's only a one uh, defenseman unit. And that would be Truba. So um, I think it's Dehan. I think Dehan's the best fit. And I will say this, um, I am not a guy who knows things or has sources, but I've heard through a person and a person and another person that there has been interest in DeHaan from the Rangers before. So, um, and that he was also, um, I believe he was mentioned by Arthur Staple in in one of his um, sort of trade deadline roundup type articles. So um, we'll see if there's any truth to that. But um, the Rangers have looked into Calvin DeHaan before is what at least I've heard. And we'll see if they uh, continue to pursue him at the deadline. All right. uh, We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, Rob Luker joins the show. All right. Joining us now is our Blue Seat Blogs colleague, Rob Luker, back with the show for the second time this season. Rob, how are we doing? Pretty good. How's everybody doing? I have no idea how I got invited back. I'll just leave it at that. 
No, you were a, an awesome <laughs> guest host. I believe you were on Dave Was Out, so it was just um, you, me, and Becky. But, you know, they say three's a crowd. I don't know what four is, but we're going we're gonna to make it work. Um, wanted to bring you on um, because it's such a pleasure having you on, but also uh, you recently did one of your sort of patented trademark uh, Rangers trends pieces where you look back at the last, I think you've been doing them about 15, 20 game chunks just to sort of paint a wider picture of what's going on with the team. Um, and, and I think, you know, obviously the struggles to create offense at five on five are evident and they've been talked about quite a bit, but um, did you find anything, I guess, just to start us off, did you find anything interesting or did you find anything um, unique, I suppose, in your look at the team um, outside of the fact that, you know, we know the Rangers are, are, are a team that struggles at, at even strength? Yeah, it's it's kind of two sides of the story here, per usual, a little bit with the numbers. But um, nothing has really changed since I last wrote my January piece, which was a little more popular just because it was almost a venting exercise. <laughs> they were playing pretty bad. Um, in terms of five-on-five, five, we know they were still winning. They've been winning regardless of whatever the numbers say. But um, I think the interesting part is, and it's kind of been documented everywhere. This is not real new news, if you will, but... Um, how the delineation between what we know is probably going to be hopefully the, the Lafreniere, uh, Zibanejad, Kreider line, and then maybe the Panarin, Strom, Kako line, and kind of how much better when those two lines are actually going together um, the Rangers offense becomes. So I kind of took a different view. Instead of maybe going individual players, I looked at the groups of both the forward lines and the defensive pairs, which we can get into. And that was kind of what I wanted to focus on because – you know, the Rangers have a lot of cap space. We might get into that as well. And trade targets are always fun to talk about. But we also know, I don't think we'll be surprised maybe to see a trade much, you know, many days before the deadline. So in the meantime, they should still try to right the ship. And, and that's kind of what I landed on. Oh, well, that and Shesterkin's obviously basically a Hart Trophy candidate at this point, not even Bezina. And, you know, Georgiev's hold his own. So it's, it's a, you know, two, two things going on there. Yeah, I, I wanted to, I think it was really interesting how you sort of group those, the forward lines together. Um, so I wanted to sort of, let, let's kind of zero in on that. I think we're all in agreement here, unless, you know, Dave and Becky, you know, you guys are, have a different opinion, but we've talked about this a lot. Um, with, you know, Kako and, and Lafreniere stapled to the top, the the the, the top four, right? Strom, Panarin, Mika, Kreider. Um, and just letting that play out for 10, 15 games. Now, the Rangers have not had the advantage of health this season. A lot of absences due to COVID, other injuries, et cetera. But we kind of know that should be the top six, at least until the trade deadline or, or a significant move is made. But I think there is some debate to be had on the bottom six. So, Rob, where do you land? And then maybe, you know, Becky, Dave, if you guys want to throw in your thoughts as well, I think that's kind of a fertile ground for some debate here because I think we all are all in agreement on the top six. Yeah, I mean... I, I agree. Top six is, is should be clear cut at this point. And the beauty of that is it allows good row specifically. And then you can kind of get in debates on how you want to form that bottom six. Um, and ironically, even in the last five games, uh, the Rangers went from basically a bottom dwelling and expected goals four per 60 at five on five to middle of the pack because of that Lafreniere move to the top line. So what my point in referencing the top six, once again, is it pushes it kind of the the lack of offense allows the bottom six to become less of a focus, maybe even less of a debate. We can certainly debate which players should be where, but when the top six is going, the bottom six becomes less of a problem. Um, and I think I'll just kind of, I would say, outside of maybe Goodrow, 
Um, I think Morgan Barron's been a ca- made a case to really stay in there. Obviously, Rooney's always going to be there. Reeves is probably always going to be there. But there, there's a good group now where the, the groups are pretty identified. You left out an important name there, Rob. And that was Greg McKegg. <laughs> you know he's in the lineup. So where's he play? I think you guys tried to answer that last time when I asked who's going to stay in the lineup when Kako's healthy and for Greg McKegg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. I said Julian Gauthier is coming out of the lineup. So, yeah, that, that that's what I'm sticking with. Okay, but what about all the people who say that Lafreniere is a waste and not talented and a complete waste of a pick? Like, what do you tell those people? That is certainly a, an opinion. <laughs> I, no, I mean, you like, are much like, nicer truly, than like, me. What is like the like like aside from just being like okay, boomer, and just like letting it go? What do you say to them? Like. I don't even know, like, let, let so, the kid be in the top six, you know? It's definitely fair because I've tried to dive into the numbers of just Lafreniere specifically, and it's because, unfortunately, his numbers look so good when he was with Hedo and Gauthier together when that kid line was going because they did generate a lot of chances and were on the right side of the puck. But the problem is they didn't score anything, <laughs> as we're all pretty well aware. So, I mean, I think with Zvajan and Kreider, maybe those goals for will come a little bit easier because – he clearly gets his nose to the net and taps in a lot of goals, finds a lot of empty nets, if you will. But, I mean, what's the difference if you're playing on the right side of the puck and doing that at the same time? Um, I, I just – he's not going to get power play time. The power play is elite, as we've explained all season as well. So let's get him some more even straight time and let the Gautiers and McKegs battle it out in the bottom six for those last spots. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also think that you bring up a great point there, Rob, which is – he gets these sort of like what look like lucky goals, right? To sort of even, you know, even I, I don't want to say casual fans because that sounds demeaning and, and we're not here to, to, to demean people at all. But I think a lot of people see his goals and, and they're like, oh, well, you know, he doesn't look like a first round pick. He's not dangling guys. He's not like firing, you know, laser wrist, wrist shots over the goalie's shoulder. You know, he's the puck lands at his feet in front of an empty net and he taps it in. I think there is a skill to that, though, and that is reading the game. And that's also uh, you get more of those empty net goals, like you like you mentioned, Rob, when you're playing with elite playmakers, which you know Mika Zibanejad is, and, and a guy like Kreider is going to draw a lot of attention, um, and isn't a bad playmaker himself. Obviously, that's not his forte, but he's set up guys to score some pretty nice goals at, at times this year as well. So, you know, I I think you know that's my thing with Lafreniere is when he's confident, the hockey sense is there. Whereas you know when he was lost, and I think he got lost. You know, kind of right when the kid line thing disintegrated, you know, you mentioned that line looked really good and that, you know, they were playing a decent amount. You know, the Rangers were playing pretty good as a team. Gallant likes to roll his line. So they were probably getting 12, 13, even strength minutes a game. And that line was good. But when that line got broken up, I thought Lafreniere's game really went in the in the tank and his hockey sense, which I think is his number one trait right now, kind of went with it. And 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 he was not reading the game or making very smart decisions Uh you know, during that stretch, but hopefully playing with Meek and Kreider gives him a little bit more of that um, confidence back and, and enables him to take advantage of his, of his high hockey IQ. The other guy I wanted to ask you about Rob was Panarin. So yep. correct me if I'm wrong, but Panarin individually has other than his counting stats, right? We know he leads the team in points. That is no small thing by the way, but his underlying numbers are pretty bad from an individual perspective. Am I, first of all, am I right in saying that? Yep, on the season, it is not great right now. So my question is this, right? 
short of breaking up Strom and Panarin, which I guess is an option if, but we know the Rangers aren't going to do it, you, you know, unless things really go bad over the next, you know, when they return over the, over the, you know, the, say the whole month of February is just a catastrophe, then they might do something drastic. But how much of this really just is Panarin needing to get himself back on track? Because look, we know he's never going to be a defensive juggernaut, but you know, I'm shocked whenever I look at a box score, or I should say a natural stat trick page, or, you know, I look at his season long numbers. I don't look at them as often as you do. And I see he's in like, you know, 38% expected goals, 41% expected goals. I'm like, that is not an elite player. And that is also not the guy he was his first two seasons as a Ranger. He was usually one of their best play and chance drivers. So a, what do you think has happened? And B, how much of solving this problem for the Rangers come down, comes down to, Panarin just needing to play better. Yeah, I, I think to answer it directly, it's 80% on Panarin and maybe 20% on the line combo. You know, that, that right wing spot between Panarin and Strom has been a little bit of a revolving door. Um, obviously, Kako spent some time there, good row for the most part. But then beyond that, it's just been who else can we stick there and see if they get lucky. Now, um, what's interesting is, and I didn't really write about this because it's not really a full trend yet, is in the last five games, Artemi Panarin ranks second in the team uh, for on-ice expected goals for per 60, and first is Strom, which means that line is suddenly alive. So if Panarin gets going, like I said, that's why I think it's 80% of the majority of the problem because that will solve that line quickly. And then suddenly you have a top six who is likely going to create some offense night in and night out. Um, I say 20% of the line combo because I do think if they stick Kako back there, back on that line, I should say, on the second line, um, he's been strong defensively pretty much for the last season and a half. Um, that's also been pretty well documented. So you can let Panarin and Strom create per usual. Strom's having a great year. I'm, you know, slowly basically eating that on my Twitter feed every other day because I basically said let's trade him the last two years. But hey, let's have let's keep keep having a great year. But with Kako coming back on that, maybe a little bit defensive responsibility can help on that line. And also Kako's been solid creating offense as well. So. I think it's 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 a little bit of both, but mostly Panarin. And let's just hope the last five games turns into another 35 games here. Dave, has there been anything, just to stick with Panarin for a second, has there been anything that like you've noticed in his game? Becky as well. I mean, you know, I'd love to get everybody's thoughts on him because, you know, in the end, look, he's your highest paid player. Yes, he is producing. And, and again, I don't want to... Um, overlook that he leads the team in points and he's averaging well over a point per game so he's still producing at an elite level but have you guys seen anything specifically in his game where you're just like i don't know what's going on here or 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 or, you know uh, you know something that he can do to 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 improve I, i mean i don't have an answer here so i'm just putting it to the group because i do think that ultimately you know, even though hockey is so driven by depth and, and, you know, even the best players only play a third of the game, you still need your top guys to be your top guys, right? Kreider's yeah. been that. Mika's been that. Shesterkin's been that. Fox has been that. If Panarin gets going, like Rob said, the Rangers may have something here. So what does he need to do to get going, I guess, is the question. Well, I mean, I've been saying this for a little while. That entire second line has been one and done in the offensive zone. They take the fourth, the fifth, the sixth pass, and when it works, it works and it looks great. But if they don't score, the back check is relatively non-existent. They don't forecheck or cycle. And while that line has a ton of skill, they are unable to keep the puck in the zone for more than 15 seconds. And that's why I think the metrics look so bad is 
because they kind of just say, oh, okay, we me- we messed up on that. Well, let's just make the save, and then we'll come back and try again. Yeah, I mean, I I wonder, too, if, like, Gallant has just said, like, Panarin, you've got literally, like, carte blanche, just do whatever you want. And if that's the way that he wants to play it, and he's just like, that's fine. I mean, I, I don't think that that's the case, but I also don't know. So... I think you might be onto something there. I mean, not that he's completely uninvolving himself from, you know, the tactics or the, you know, or the players, you know, but I do think back to Ryan Strom, you know, openly complaining essentially about David Quinn micromanaging the top players and, you know, Gallant taking a more hands-off approach, letting his creators create, but that may lead to some bad habits. And no, I think that's a very valid point. I think there probably is something to that. Um but Rob, can you know, I, I, can think I like, add? So yeah, sure. just just to kind of support both both Becky and Dave and their points. I mean, I'm looking at his year over year numbers. He's actually taking the same amount of shot attempts and um, basically shots on goal per sixty as he has his entire career. The only thing that's dropped is the individual expected goals per sixty, which might indicate he's not getting as close. He his basically his chances on the net are not as dangerous um, mm. as years past, and that's definitely got to be a part of the one and done. But also. Going back to the Kako conversation, if the line isn't sustaining any pressure or it's not a really a, a full offensive line, those chances aren't going to be as valuable when he when he does get them. So it, it's just kind of an interesting mix there. Yeah. Well, and the other thing about Kako that you know I think we all remember he had a good maybe what wasn't quite ten games, which was probably a seven or eight game stretch there where he played with Stroman Panarin. That line was good. And Kako produced. That was his best streak of production all year. He had a couple of goals. He had a bunch of assists. You know, pretty much anyone who plays with that line for an extended period of time is going to produce. So, um, yeah, that I mean, it's a no-brainer to me. And now we wait and see. You know, we wait and see if the Rangers get it right in a week when they when they get ready to play Boston um, at the Garden on, on Tuesday, February 15th. That's when the season resumes. So, all right, Rob, anything else you wanted to call out from your piece? Otherwise, I think we're going to have you stick around and answer some of the uh, questions from our uh, from our loyal listeners. I think anytime I get a platform, I have to obligatory. <laughs> I have to say that they need to try Lingren Truba and Miller Fox. I know. I'm sorry for everybody that knows my shtick by now, um, but they got to try it. They can always go back to it. And the third pair, pick your poison between Schneider, Lundqvist, Nemeth, and Jones. And you know, hopefully everything's okay with Nemeth. I know he's been pretty bad, and I admit that now. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, but I he's think he's been out for personal reasons for yeah, a long time now. Right. So like you we have hope to really hope okay. that. Yeah, I hope everything's yeah. okay with him. Yeah, and this is his second uh, absence for personal reasons, by the way. So that that seems to indicate that there is a larger off-ice behind the scenes issue here. So yeah, no, uh, totally. I think we're all on the same page there and very possible that that was or and is affecting his play on the ice. Um you did mention that Leibor Hayek hasn't been bad, but Rob, I do I do have to call that out. And the, the numbers are the numbers, right? No, it's it's fair. It's fair. Somehow Hayek Jones uh, is the best pair that's had at least 50 uh, minutes on the ice at five on five. And uh, that's just how good Zach Jones is. <laughs> right. He has been <sighs> impressive. Uh, the, uh, my brain just You wanted exploded. to say something there, Dave. No, my brain just exploded. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, uh, I got nothing. <laughs> but look, sheltered, sheltered minutes. Uh, Jones playing well. I mean, look, that also, it's a very small sample carried by one or two really great games, right? So we take that with yes. a, a grain of salt, of course. But um, 
look, best case scenario is Hayek is proving he can be a six or seven defenseman and the Rangers can trade him, at, you know, as a sweetener in a deal or, or some sort of larger package at the deadline. Hopefully that's the reason they're playing him, as you said, Becky, earlier on in the show to showcase him. Because um, other oh, than that, no why? Faith. Oh, I'm going to ruin your night. I'm going to ruin both of you guys. All three of you. I'm going to ruin all, everybody's night. You know what's going to happen if Hayek turns into a 6-7 defenseman, right? They're going to play him as the 6 defenseman, and they're going to trade Zach Jones. Dave, hang up immediately. Hang up immediately. You know, for, you they refused the to waive this guy despite him barely. He couldn't even make the Czech B League during COVID. Hey, Let that sink careful in. what you wish for. Look what look what Howden and uh, Pionk are doing away I'll, from the Rangers. <laughs> everybody leaves the Rangers and they all of a sudden get good. The Rangers have a development problem. We've known that for a while now. Unless they get an Adam Fox, yeah. whomever they acquire all of a sudden turns to a shit player. And then as soon as they leave, they turn into this great guy. Look at Nick Holden. Maybe they'll get him back. Is he still around? Because he played for Gallant in uh, in Vegas. Isn't he Maybe Montreal? they'll get him back. I'm leaving. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's no, able to get you, out of Ottawa. Read the question. Oh, he's Ottawa. Whatever. <laughs> a random Canadian team that's not good. All right. Well, thanks, Rob, for, for taking us through that. Good discussion, as always. All right, Becky. We've got, I think, a lot of questions here. We're gonna. Rob's going to stick around, so we're going to get his answers as well. We got some Ranger stuff. We definitely have some non-Ranger stuff. So, uh, so let's get to it. Huh. All right. <clears throat> let's start. <laughs> so, friend of the pod didn't um, texted this question in. So, friend of the pod Donna asks a really good question. What was your first Ranger game? Who did they play? And is there is there anything significant that you remember about the game? Who wants to go first? Luke, all yours. I'll go first. Okay, Becky. I'll go first. Take it, Becky. <laughs> so uh, my first game was in 2008 because I'm a, a still a pretty new Ranger fan. It was the Thrashers playing the Rangers in at MSG October 30th, and the Rangers won 3-2, and Jaredov scored, and I love Jaredov. And, um, yeah, and I was talking about this before. The Thrashers had a really fucking cool logo, really cool logo. Passing it on to someone else. I do like the Thrashers as well. Um, so I don't remember. I think I was like, I was like six or seven. We went down. I remember for everybody. I grew up in the middle of upstate New York, east of Syracuse. So I mean, MSG was not just around the corner for me. But point is, uh, we went down to one of my uncle's place that he lived in Connecticut. We took the train in. So I know I've been to MSG for a Rangers game once. I can't remember anything more than that. So not a great story. I am returning in April. Very very excited. Um, well, wow, you haven't been back, Rob. I didn't I have know not that. Been, so you, I, you wow. know, I moved to the Midwest, did my Tommy Boy thing. I had to, you know, be the salesman. <laughs> it is what it is. But I'll be back. Uh, but no. So hang on. So I'll replace the story of the, of the last Rangers game uh, in New York State that I went to, which was in the Buffalo, the playoff game where Jury tied it, I believe. And I was that game. Yes, I was a senior in high school. I uh, had a beer dumped on me after they won in overtime. It was quite the scene. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was a lot of fun. Um, it also makes me kind of wish the Rangers would play the Sabres eventually in the playoffs again and just sweep them. So fair enough. <laughs> I just. All right, Rob. I, I just have really Other Rob. bad or memories Dave. now. Sorry, I'm just like. Yeah, well, I was going to say I. I it's not my not my first game, but I went to Game Six right after that. I think it was Game Six, uh, where the Rangers lost the series. So, um, 
Yeah, that was a tough one, Buffalo. That was 2007. And I was a senior in college, so everyone now knows the age difference between the two Robs. Um, Look at me just bringing the mood up. So, Yeah. Yeah, I was just about to graduate. I, I could not have been just a great time of life ruined by Chris Drury. Let's hope that doesn't repeat itself oh, God. now, however, all these years later. Um, I do not remember my first game specifically. I was lucky enough to go as a really young kid. I think they played the Boston Bruins. I think Alexei Kovalov scored. Um, I also know I went to another game a couple of years later. I was a little bit older. We were at, we got seats through a family friend uh, about four rows, five row, rows up behind one, uh, the, one of the goals. Actually, the goal the Rangers shoot at in the second period only, so the action's going away from you in the first and third. But um, they warm up at that end, and uh, we got a puck during warm-ups. Adam Graves rang one off the crossbar. There was no netting above the glass because that was not added until much later. Uh, and the puck literally landed at our feet. So we had a Ranger warm-up puck from off the stick of Adam Graves from before that game. So that was really cool. Um, but I don't remember the details of the uh, first-ever game I went to. Um, but it's still the best thing in the world. And I, I love going to this. Every, every game still feels like my first. I still get giddy like a kid every time I go. My first Ranger game was actually at Nassau Coliseum because my dad was an Islander fan. So I'd been to a bunch of Islander games in 91, 92, and 93 was the first time we actually went and got Islander Ranger tickets because I was a Ranger fan just to piss my dad off, basically. And (laughs) it was a game in early 93. I know it was cold out. And I just remember Tony Amante scoring on a breakaway, and I was really happy because Tony Amante was one of my favorite players in 93, so I was I nine years old. And I don't remember who won. I really don't. Well, but I just remember Amante scoring and me being a pig and shit because of that. A little bit of trivia on that, Dave. So if that was the year the Rangers won the Cup, if that was 93-94... They didn't beat the Islanders at all that year until March, and or they hadn't, and they hadn't beaten them in the Coliseum for like five years. So then it was, was ninety two, ninety three. It was ninety two, ninety three. Right. Then. Okay. So, right. Okay. So right, but right, but um, I know the Rangers had some sort of long losing streak at the Coliseum in those days. So odds are the Islanders won the game you were at. Unfortunately, I mean, I was nine. Yeah. <laughs> Your favorite player scored. That's all that matters. That's that's for you saying they're going to trade Zach Jones. That's exactly what I'm I'm only saying that if Hayek turns into something, because you know they're going to justify the McDonough trade and say, hey, we've got this bottom pair defenseman. We're we're moving on. It's going to be a long summer. (laughs) All right. Good good friend of the pod, Immortal Lou. Lou says, with still no Rangers hockey for another week, exactly how weird are you expecting the timeline to get? Oh, yeah. It's it's not weird already. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, obviously there's a there's a certain bar where where it's already at, but I just say just let's let's go completely nuts. Let's do a full reset before the last 35 games here. And yeah, I think we need it. Yeah. Yeah, I that like that story thing is going around now and I'm just like holy shit, you guys what is happening? Oh, the one and, where you plug in the two names, that thing? Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. that is so strange. Uh, it's so I, strange. I, I, you know what? I'm a little bit disappointed because I put in Jamie Benn and bunching mocks and nobody understood it. <laughs> <laughs> did, did did you do Libor Hayek and Slingshot yet, Dave? <laughs> no, but I sh- I'm going to. There we go. So Thank I think you. we know it's going to get even fucking weirder. That's you guys, good. 
Do you guys think if I put in Josh Allen in 13 seconds, the result of the Bills game will change? Oh, oh. Rob, I was going to say. I'm just permanently oh. sad. I'm sorry. What if you do Josh so Anderson cool. and Larry Brooks? <laughs> <laughs> that too. Different Josh. We're going to pour one out for the Buffalo Bills and, and for you Thank specifically, you. Rob. We know, we know how much uh, you love that team. Becky certainly became a, uh, a bandwagon Bills fan this year with, uh, you know, rooting for Josh Allen heavily throughout He's the year. He's my fantasy QB. A, he was amazing. I, well, he was awesome. He's a beautiful you know. 250 pound golden retriever that is a human. <laughs> I didn't realize he was 250. That feels like a lot. I think. I mean, who knows? He's constantly putting and get, putting on weight and taking it off. Who knows? Yeah. He's a beautiful soul. All right. Next question from Sprex NY. Hi, all. If you could pick one top six guy to realistically acquire at the deadline, who would it be and why? I feel like we do this question often, but um, I'm going to kick it to Luger to go first. Oh, man. Uh, I know. I know. One I, top I just, six guy. Yeah, it's just it, hypotheticals are, I don't know. It's, that's why I look at numbers because they already happened, you know. But, I mean, I've been a big fan of Pavelski. Um, I know he's probably the hottest name out there. He's just having such a great season. Um you know, there's definitely questions about his age and just how fast he is. But, um, man, he'd just provide great depth. I don't think he really plays center anymore. I know he'd basically be he'd be a right wing. You can put him anywhere between first and third line right wing. So, um, yeah, I'll go Pavelski. I'll go easy, and then I'll leave it to you guys. <laughs> all right. Dave. Uh, fuck, you're making me go next? I was all over cap friendly trying to find something. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go then. I want Claude Giroux. Yeah, yeah, that's that was gonna be my answer. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple. See, I'm I'm kind of racking too because. I'm I'm all about the Rangers going all in and spending a lot of that cap space they've accrued, if you will. So I know there's a couple of buy low names out there. Um, they're kind of they're not coming up, but you know, I I'd, I'd love to see two forwards and. Maybe even a depth piece acquired, whether a defenseman or another forward. <laughs> Let's yeah. make it real interesting. Oh, I agree. I mean, look, I, Riley Smith. If you consider him a top six mm-hmm. guy, I mean, I guess most people would. Riley Smith makes it makes so much sense, uh, and probably could be had soon because Vegas needs to clear the cap space. Um, I don't know the Mark Shifley thing that that Dave brought up uh, earlier in the show, and he brought it up to our group chat. I guess that was last week. Um, I mean, he plays that was no today. defense whatsoever, but that was today. That was, that was today. <laughs> it's been a long few days. <laughs> it's Sick been a long in. few days. Yeah, uh, he just plays no defense. I like he like literally none. And the Rangers have a lot of guys that profile that way, so that's probably not a great fit. Um, yeah, I'll just go Riley Smith. That's a very boring answer. I apologize. All right, I'll go Paul Stasny since I only brought up Shifley in the they need to resign Dubois. Or Dubois, Dubois, I'm going to go with that. It's Dubois, yeah. Okay. And I just don't see them having the cap space for it. Um, There was that whole random Matt Kachuk thing where people were like, oh my God, he doesn't want to re-sign in Calgary. But, I mean, yeah, he's going to re-sign in Calgary, let's be real. So I'll go Stasny. They're not going to trade him now, no way. They're like a contender now. (laughs) Yeah, Stasny, because he's basically Joe Pavelski light, and Stasny's that kind of guy that you can get for, what, a Jeff Carter price, which was, what, a third to fourth round pick? And he can play middle six center, he can play on the wing, 
can win face-offs, and he's another guy that has been rumored to go to the Rangers for the last decade and a half, and it'll finally happen after the age of 37. I love Paul Stastny and his love of Taco Bell. Like, <laughs> no, no, I'm not kidding. Like, he, like, dressed up. He, his wife, and, like, his kid and, I think, dog all dressed up like Taco Bell items for Halloween one year. Like, I just, we, I need that. We need I that, need that on my team. We need that And in my lives. life. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think, like, the baby was, like, pretty new and it was like a hot sauce or something it was like ridiculous <laughs> perfect so i i want him more than Giroux now that's it that's not true but whatever second all right next question built to spill our friend what shows are y'all watching with all this free time all right since we just finished this up on prime i'll go first uh we just finished up reacher and that's that was pretty good I've, I thoroughly it enjoyed it. Heard that was good. What's it about? Uh, Jack Reacher. The If you've seen the movies, Tom Cruise plays Jack Reacher in the movies. But this time around, they actually got this you know six foot three behemoth of a man to play Reacher more towards the character in the books. And he's basically a retired army guy who... Mm-hmm. He's basically young Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he goes around solving solving murders and shit, and he breaks a lot of people's bones, and they leave okay. it in the You're show. Saying, and it's great. Are you telling me five foot seven Tom Cruise was unconvincing in this role? All I can think about is the Family Guy <laughs> bit where Tom Cruise just <laughs> 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 running away from his. Yes, yes. Tom we should not say that though. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I. That's really that's the Vanilla Sky one. Uh, Tom Cruise just shows up at Stewie's daycare. (laughs) (laughs) Stewie height. (laughs) I watch too much Family Guy. (laughs) Maybe. So on my side, we just finished up the most recent Ozark, whatever season it is. Uh, Got to keep an eye on that. Uh, We also just finished up Shameless without, uh, um, oh my gosh, I'm blinking on her name. The, st- the actual star there, but Emmy anyway, Rossum? yes, Rossum? yes, thank you, thank you. Mm. Uh, had, you got to finish up Shameless if you live in Chicago. It's just a rule. You get questioned at bars about it, um, <laughs> and we're looking forward to Peaky Blinders returning. And we saw Stations, Station Eleven, I think it's called, or something like that. HBO show. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. The wife wants to look into that. So, trying to keep busy, I, not watching football. <laughs> I read the book Station Eleven. I, okay. The show looks interesting. Yeah. Very nice. fitting for our COVID times. Ah, perfect. Rob, Becky, you go ahead. Well, well, okay. I mean, we're we're watching Euphoria, which is very intense. It's probably one so, of the most intense so viewing experiences I've ever had watching a television show. Um, I'd actually really like to get into to Peaky Blinders, but I am also looking forward to. We've seen the preview for it a bunch of times. They made a show about the uh, Magic Johnson era Lakers called Win. It's called Winning Time. There was also that Reggie Miller documentary called Winning Time. Um, it looks really funny. It's very like stylized seventies, like high energy. You know, lots of sex, drugs, and rock and roll type stuff. Uh, comedy. John C. Riley's in it. He plays, I think, Jerry Buss. They casted Adrian Brody as a young Pat Riley with a ridiculous mustache. It just it looks really funny it's also adam mckay who's uh, i think he did i think he did anchorman but he's also done a a bunch of um 
I think he was involved in like the big short and vice and like a bunch of those, uh, you know, more contemporary edgy sort of modern comedies. So, um, looking forward to that as well, but, uh, we'll come back to you with that on a, on a you know, uh, with a review once we've watched that, but I, I'm sure I know Becky wants to say her piece about euphoria. That's been her life lately. <laughs> well, yeah. So I've watched, I mean, we, we, I don't want to say we, I, I feel like I've dragged poor Rob into this because of the size of our apartment, but, um, uh, watched a few episodes of and just like that which is the sex in the city reboot and it was so awful and if anyone knows me like circa 2003 2004 I was like the biggest sex in the city fan sobbed watching the finale like everything and the reboot was so disappointing and I know that it's not really the great crossover of like sex in the city twitter and like rangers twitter or whatever so it's probably not going to resonate with anyone but if anyone wants to talk about it like please get at me um, I love Euphoria. It's so good. It is really hard to watch. I sobbed like a baby on Sunday. And it's but it's like must watch TV like at the time that it's out because I missed episode one and it was spoiled for me. And if you watch the show and you know season two, episode one, the ending was spoiled and it was awful. Just awful. So um by by hard to watch. What do you mean by that? Is it like like not, not cringe. How, how how do you describe that? <laughs> and just like that is cringe. Euphoria mm. is hard to watch because it so it deals with it centers around like the main characters and Daya is uh she's like an opioid heroin whatever addict. Um, mm. Okay. And I don't know from personal experience, but according to the interwebs, like she does justice to it and so she winds up she's the narrator essentially for it and like she says a million times like I'm not a reliable narrator because I'm a drug addict and so you're watching like all these like you got a lot of backstories about all the characters and like they're all fucked up it's why they're all fucked up it's like it's sad but it's like beautifully stylized the the shooting is like gorgeous Hmm. and just it's like a fucking mood and it's great music and and beautiful scene like beautiful filming and the last like this season is more kind of like rue is the main character like her journey dealing with the addiction she had relapsed at the end of season one and so her dealing with the addiction and it's just hard to watch because if someone's that desperate it's just it's hard to watch so the last episode was like especially difficult to watch but um but really really good and I don't know that it's like I think it's telling an important story. I don't know that everyone's going to agree with that, but um, because it's really like about high school kids, so you don't mm-hmm. really think about that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I think it's I think it's not for everyone, but I think it's an excellent show. And then I also want to watch Sex Lives of College Girls because that's supposed to be very funny and it's Mindy Kaling, and I think it got renewed, so I kind of want to get into that when Euphoria is over. And that Lakers thing looks really funny. <laughs> so that is that. Um, really important question coming up, guys. So Don Heedle 2.0 says, is cereal a soup? <sighs> All right. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> Come on. Why? Because you can eat it out of the box. You use a spoon, though. Yeah, but you no. can eat it out of the like. <laughs> No, no, Luker, no, no. <laughs> Other Rob is host. Rob is right. It's not a soup. A soup is warm. That's fair. Mm-mm. 
No, soup is Gazpacho Gazpacho tastes like ass. It's not soup. Okay, borscht is not warm. Okay, borscht also tastes like ass. That doesn't count either. I'm just wondering about your definition of taste like ass right now because gazpacho and borscht taste very different. They both taste like absolute (laughs) disgustingness. Okay. All right, well... I'm a God. big cereal guy, like like almost like Seinfeld esque. Pretty much have it every day. So I, I and I do like soups. So I'd say they're adjacent. That's that's the best I can give. Luger, what are like what's in your uh, pantry right now, cereal wise? What what do you what are what's your selection looking like? We usually have at least minimum of three, if not up to five, on hand. Uh, a lot of the staples uh, like multigrain Cheerios, cornflakes as your base, and then you got to mix in fun ones like Reese's Puffs or. Cinnamon Toast Crunch or Frosted Flakes, stuff like that. Minimum at least two, if not sometimes flakes. a three mix. Who the fuck eats Corn Flakes? Because that's a Special base. That's a, that's a base amazing. mix. And then you mix in like a Cinnamon Toast Crunch with it. Wow. Fantastic. No, no, no. I you just that. go full ham on, on the Cinnamon cereal. Toast Crunch. No, I, I, I love this. Oh, I mean, I've also eaten an entire flakes? box of Cocoa Puffs in one sitting, so I don't really know if I <laughs> qualify as you know a regular cereal or aficionado here. Remember the old friendlies bowls? They used to give out the massive bowls of ice cream. I have like four of those from when I was a kid, from the like the Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees ones, and those are my cereal oh, bowls because wow. they're, they're larger than a regular bowl. I need a large bowl of cereal. Okay, so do you pour so, the you guys milk are in all first? The deranged things about me. Hold on, do you pour the milk <laughs> in first and then add the cereal so that on the first bowl so that you don't get soggy cereal at the bottom? No, because milk first would make it soup. So no cereal. <laughs> <laughs> No, it just makes it a All bowl right. of milk, which would make it cat food. No, I'm sorry. We're done. I'm done. That was it. We're done. This All is right. a great topic. Uh, Ryan O22000 asks, and this is, we kind of touched upon this earlier, right, about Niels Lundqvist. So in a lot of stats out here, it says the Rangers record with Lundqvist is 19-4-2. His five-on-five goals, 4% is 59.1. Even though he's played 77% of the time with a guy, 34.2 goals for. How is this possible? Isn't he really good? Why is he in the minors? Why is he on the trade block? Why? So Ryan O is going through it right now. Is that Niels um, Lundqvist's burner account? No, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's it either his be. or my burner. <laughs> <laughs> so Rob just wanted to submit a question for himself to answer. Yeah. <laughs> so do you want to take it? No, I saw that, I saw this one pop up, and it's a it's a good, interesting question. Um, I don't know. I think when it comes down to Niels Lundqvist, I just think he should get a longer look. I just don't know if it's going to happen with Braden Schneider anymore. It, and it's, I, I don't know, I, I still think – any combination of Jones, Schneider, Lundqvist in the bottom pair, even if it's two right-handers, wouldn't be the end of the world. But, um, yeah, it's he's had a weird go of it. And if he ends up being traded because of a run with Patrick Nemeth, who's clearly, unfortunately, maybe going through some off-ice stuff, that's that'd be pretty Rangers. I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> that's so Rangers. <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to agree. Although, and I'm not, uh, you know, as you know, I'd say married to the stats as you are, Rob, although, you know, obviously I factor them in, but, you know, citing goals for can be a little bit of of a fallacy. Citing wins can certainly be, I I don't think we should cite wins for any player at any position, even, you know, baseball pitchers, goalies, quarterbacks, like all one loss record. That's a team stat. So, you know, um, I do think Lundquist is going to be very good. I do think that whether we agree with it or not, 
the Rangers are looking at this from a depth chart and role perspective. And what they're seeing is in Lundquist is a guy that needs power play time and that needs a purely offensive role in order to really flourish. And he's not going to get that, right? The way the team is configured right now with Adam Fox emerging as one of the best defensemen in the game, Truba sort of solidifying himself. You know, he's clearly played himself out of any possibility of being traded, whereas last year people were like, hey, maybe they should trade this guy before his no-move clause kicks in. Whether or not that was possible is an entirely different conversation. I just think that they look at this and see Braden Schneider as a guy who can more readily play a limited defense first bottom pair role and not be hampered by the lack of off of offensive opportunities. I don't necessarily agree with it, but that I think is the reason why Schneider wins out over Lundquist's in management size right now. So just to add context to Lundquist's numbers, 238 minutes with Nemeth, only 46 without. So we're not exactly looking at a big sample size of time without Nemeth. But something I found interesting, and I have no idea what this means. I think it's just complete randomness. His goals, just goals for, with Shesterkin and Net, seven goals for, eight against. With Georgiev, six goals for, one against. Just complete random bullshit that I just thought was interesting. But that's also why you don't really look at goals for. or So also... Expected goals, 4% with Nemeth, 44.6%. Um, and then Lundqvist, expected goals, 4% without, 48.7%. So, yeah, Nemeth was obviously holding him back with with whatever he was dealing with, but we're only looking at 46 minutes. And towards the end yeah. of it, you could kind of see something was a little off on Lundqvist. Maybe he just needed time in the AHL. But I'm just convinced he was a stopgap till Snyder was ready. Well, and that was going to be my point, too, is like what all these are great numbers, I guess. But what what's the sample size? Yep. Forty six minutes. And like Rob said, it's it's his role. I mean, the Rangers, where, where are they going to play Lundquist? Let's be real. Yeah. When right. you have to play Libor Hayek. Um, OK, moving on. <laughs> uh, Chippin Daly asks, and this is about Riley Smith. Does it seem realistic? So, does the acquisition seem realistic? I mean, sure. Why not? I threw his name out there, so I'll go first. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but the cap hit that Vegas needs to clear in order to fit Eichel in matches up. The Rangers, obviously, cap space is not an issue. He knows Gerard Gallant. It all comes down to asking price. Um, I guess the only sticking point is would Vegas want to get rid of him? Um, but they've got to make room somehow. And unless they get creative and look, they don't need to go to the Rangers. Obviously there's plenty of other teams, but the Rangers are out of conference. So it's a pretty low risk trading partner. You know, you're not vying with them for, for playoff spots or, or playoff positioning. So yeah, um, it makes a lot of sense to me, but maybe I'm missing something here. I don't know. Well, what do we think the asking price is going to be also? I think that's more of like the, is it realistic? And like, isn't it kind of now, okay, well, we need to clear cap space and Riley Smith is attractive, so we could put him on the block. Like, the Rangers wouldn't be the only suitors, right? They're the only suitors that can take the full cap hit. That mean, that means a lot to Vegas right now. What yeah. would be the asking price, though, Dave? 
for the taking on the full cap hit. I mean, Taylor Hall went for a second round pick. I'll go either. I'll go that second round pick. That's probably a decent comp. Yeah. I mean, I'd do that right now. Uh, I would drive to Vegas and and pick up Riley Smith and drive back. Um, I might need like a day or two just to like be able to drive back because it's Vegas. Right. Uh, But yeah, second round pick for Smith. Yeah, in a heartbeat. Hey, in the words of Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. And it's not like Vegas would like. Yeah, they'd miss him because he's Riley Smith, but they're getting Eichel. Chandler Stevenson is no longer going to be their second line center, or Brett Howden, or whomever is currently faking it in the top six. All due respect to Stevenson and Howden, who's having a pretty good year with Vegas. They're not top six centers, and Eichel is one of the best centers in the game when he's healthy. So it's still a win-win because they're basically trading Smith for Eichel. All right, two more questions. So Mr. Pods asks, is Dahan good? I know he was relatively steady in Carolina. Don't know much about his underlyings. So since I was oh, the one that I... posted that question, I'll kind of go first. His uh, his underlyings with Chicago this year basically show great uh, quality of shot suppression and nothing else, but Chicago's a train wreck. So showing good expected goals against numbers in Chicago bodes well for the Rangers, who were actually good. And the rest of it will figure itself out. He's still got better numbers than Nemeth right now, so that's an upgrade. Yeah, that's Dave, I was going to basically say that as well. The one thing he's really good at and has been really good at his whole career, which is defense and just suppressing shots and shot, shot chances, I should say, um, he hasn't stopped doing that. So that's good enough for me. <laughs> awesome. And again, the cap right, hit doesn't Emma. matter. They can take on 50 Calvin DeHans right now. Well, not if you're taking on 50 Riley Smiths. I wonder what the numbers work out Luke to on that. I think it's close. <laughs> Just bring them all. We'll figure it out at the end. Pay the tab at the end of the season. <laughs> we'll have 10. All right. Last question and probably my favorite. Spazo211 says, fuck, Mary kill. Quinn, A.V. Tortorella. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh my god. This might be my favorite question ever asked on the pod. But like, why? Ever. Why? Why? Because it's it's hilarious. I've got mine. Go for Go. it. Alright. I'm gonna fuck David Quinn. You know, nice hair, nice eyes, but then never talk to him again. Really, <laughs> really cut him out of the life. Mm-hmm. Um I'm gonna kill A V. I think everybody I, I feel like I'm I've I've got a lot of fans there. Uh just really in, inexplicable. Tough to talk to. And I'm going to marry Tortorella because, you know, hard on the inside or sorry, hard, hard on the outside, <laughs> soft on the inside. You know, I'm an old man at, at a, in, a, in, a, in a younger body, I guess, so to speak. I, I think we get along on a lot of things. So dogs, et cetera. He loves kind of dogs. Yeah. He loves dogs. Yeah, he does. That uh, was a perfect answer. Yeah. So I'm going to take this up a notch. I'm going to, you know, yes, marry Tortorella. Because, you know, I feel like he'd be a good father figure, you know. Don't do this, you asshole. What the fuck are you doing? Like, straight to the point. And there are too many people right now that just don't get in straight to the point. Yo, what the fuck are you doing? Smarten up, asshole. I like that. That works. 
I would definitely kill AV, but I'm going to wear a Keith Yandel mask while I do it. Mm. <laughs> and I'm going to, uh, in this, you know, this would be fuck David Quinn, but i probably wear a Brett Howden mask for this one. <laughs> Where are you getting excited. these masks? You know what? My college roommate made a paper mache mask of Quagmire, so I'll hire him to make one of each one of these guys. He did. He did do the that. Alternate, Dave, the alternate mask for AV would be to wear a Tanner Glass mask so you can get close to him and kill him. <laughs> That's a good point. I want him to see his worst enemy in the league. <laughs> or um, maybe his worst enemy in the league is, uh, you know, an average NHL goaltender. I don't know though. Then he Yandel went to go play for him in Philadelphia. How many people? How many teams actually offered Yandel a contract after that though? Well, before That's like, true. was he forced to go to Philly because there was the only team that offered him a contract? Yeah, we don't have any proof they actually ever spoke. <laughs> <laughs> Did he play third right. line, third unit minutes, and second power play? I watched zero minutes of Philadelphia Flyer hockey. Fair. All right, Rob. You're up. I mean, I hate to not be original, but it's the same <laughs> answer. It's, yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't hate AV as much as everybody else, but um, I feel like he's so, like, vapid and terrible as a person that <laughs> he's got to die. <laughs> David Quinn's fine, although he's got an inflated sense of self. So, like, okay, you know. You kind of do your thing with him and, you know, hit it and quit it. That's fine. It's because people um, keep sleeping with him. At least with Tortorella, there's layers. I don't think it would be an easy marriage. Um, I think there would be a lot of periods of time where I wouldn't talk to John Tortorella. But I do think it would be enduring. I think he is ultimately a reasonable person. I think he is comfortable with disagreement after time. And there, there is, there, there's real intelligence there. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my reasoning, but yeah, I, I, you know, it's, we're three for three on the, on the, uh, on the fuck, Mary kill category categorization here between the three of us. So Becky, we'll see if you differ. I mean, I'm obviously not going to differ. So I think my only addition right after I fuck Quinn is that I would steal all of the hair gel from his house so that he didn't put so much in his hair. Um, AV, I would take great pleasure. I would, like, pull, like, a Patrick Bateman, like, do you like Huey Lewis in the news? Like, I think it would be <laughs> Wow. Wow. And then... Jesus, tor- <laughs> Torts. Like, I just... I, I, like, absolutely love John Tortorella, and I feel like he has the ability to change for the better, you know? Like, and I don't mean change, like, oh, you, like, find someone and you change them or whatever. Like, he's just maturing... And blossoming as he's getting older. And I just find that to be so endearing. So, yeah. I mean, we're four for four. That was a great question. I don't so, think we've thanks. ever had a unanimous answer like that before. I don't think this, so either. This is now a relationship advice podcast, too. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, we uh, talk about yeah, what makes talking, a good spouse. <laughs> we had an I'm entire never. conversation about ex-girlfriends in the chat before. So I don't know if <laughs> where the group that should be say, giving out relationship advice here. That's yeah, August that is, 1st content. <laughs> yeah, as you say, territory we are not not going to uh, enter on, at least on this day. Yeah. No, that, that's like 10, that's 10 drinks deep 
and yeah. maybe we'll get. And we're never recording it. ten drinks deep because no one needs that out there in the universe. Oh god. <laughs> That's it for questions, guys. That was a heavy haul. So thanks to everyone who asked a question. They're all really, really good. Absolutely. All right, Luca, any final thoughts before we let you go? Uh, no. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Always fun. Um, let's see where this team goes. I'm starting to believe, like the Grinch. It's just dangerous, but could be a fun spring. That's what we're hoping for. All right, guys, it's been a pleasure, and we will see you all next week. 